and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Thursday, October 14th, live from the Tim and Friends studios in downtown Toronto. I am Tim, you are the friends. So is Jesse Rubinoff. He's with me as always. Anthony Stewart, Kyle Bukoskis, Arash Madani, James Sharman. They are the contractually obligated uh-huh. friends. Today, at least. A seminal moment for Canadian soccer in a flash. The entire hockey story. A do-or-die in San Francisco. Once again, my friends, we have got an absolutely jam-packed 90 minutes for your viewing pleasure. Just, just an hour and a half today as Hockey Central takes over. At 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, ahead of the Panthers and Penguins on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 360. That Florida trip has turned into a real pain in the donkey. We'll see if the pen... It's ass, Jesse. A donkey, they call it. All right, maybe I just should have said pain in the ass. <laughs> Pens can sweep that tour of Florida to start the season without Malkin, without Crosby. Interesting. And speaking of starting the season, the Ottawa Senators won't debut for another couple of hours, but they have already started the season off on the right flo- foot Excuse me, by getting Brady Kachuk under contract on a long-term deal. Seven years, 8.2, and a smidge AAV on that deal. Now, there are no style points here. There are no victory laps for the Sens organization, especially given their history. But who gives a bleep right now? Getting this done is huge because it keeps them on the right trajectory. And I think that they might be able to surprise a few folks this year. I mean, they got to get goaltending. They really didn't last year, and they still surprised some folks. But Ruby Tuesday on a Thursday, you know who agrees with me on this? Who's that? Stewie does. Yeah. Anthony Stewart is going to join me in a flash. Even took it a step further on Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Are the Sens a playoff team? We will discuss with my guy Stewie coming up. I, I never thought, to be honest with you, Leafs Habs, Canucks Oilers, Leafs Sens tonight. A winner take all in one of the best rivalries in all sports. Giants-Dodgers, a combined 213 wins on the season. And on this mainstream, all-sports, Canadian talk show, we would start with Canada soccer. But that day has come, me amigos. (laughs) That day has clearly come. Jesse Rubinoff, let's do first things first. First things first. That was a genius move what you just did right there. You gave your sense take. You didn't even wait for me to ask you a question about the Sens. No. Because you know we wanted to get right to the (laughs) Canadian men's national team because they remain undefeated in the final round of World Cup qualifying after an impressive 4-1 win over Panama last night at BMO Field in Toronto, playing in front of thousands of fans in what was their biggest game on home soil. Home soil is the correct way to say it. Since Mm -hmm. 1985, it felt like one of the bigger wins in the program's history. Timmy... You were there. Take us inside BMO Field. What did it feel like to be there? Simply put, like it felt like anyone who was in there was part of a moment. 
And listen, I'll talk to the uh, periphery fans, those jumping on the bandwagon, uh, in just a flash. And I will relate this to you. Uh, but for the hardcores that have been around for a while, like I was searching for the right words or phrase, but it felt like the official sea change. And Wikipedia, where I do all of my research, defines sea change as an expression which denotes a substantial change in perspective. Like, I came to appreciate soccer a little later in life, like 16, 17 years old, but I had a lot of friends at high levels of the game. And they lured me in. And for the most part, for the hardcores, it's been sheer heartbreak to support Canadian soccer, which is why I literally never thought that I would see anything like I saw last night with my own two eyes. I was a jam-packed stadium once everyone got in, and that was (laughs) a bit of a thing. An electric atmosphere. It was actually a big thing. And despite playing in the final round of qualifying for the first time, Since 1998, France, the first time this millennium, final round, World Cup qualifying, there was a feeling in that building like the dam was about to burst, like Canada was the best team on the pitch. No hoof and hope to score a goal. It was wave after wave of skill, and boy, did it arrive, like on cue, as if written by Hollywood special players make special plays on special days. Canada absolutely needed Alfonso Davies to be their best player, and he just might have been the best player in CONCACAF. Look out, that ball staying in, and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away, 2v1. Davies has Buchanan. Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. What in the good name of Bruce Wilson did I just see? Yeah, that Bruce Wilson. Like, I'm I'm sitting there with my kids, my kid, his friends, another dad, shout out Jude, Cotter, uh, Aiden, and I needed a replay. Like, I, I grabbed my phone, I went to Sportsnet now, I turned on the game, I went home, I watched again with my son as I was putting him to bed. It was one of those moments wrapped in another moment, right? Like a signature goal from Fonzie opens the floodgates for Canada, and I'm still in awe 24 hours later of what in the good name of Randy Samuel this kid did. Like, forget special players make special plays on special days. Like, Jesse, I think we might need a new segment. And my first thought on what the new segment should be called is holy bleep. I don't think that's going to fly. Holy feces. Mm, that's not much better. No, no, no sure. Are you positive? I mean, it's possible, but can I'm we not get the a, one. Can I we, can't make that call. Can we get an actual bleep? Ble- oh, yeah. Bleeps are okay. What about a WTF, which, of course, stands for we're totally floored? Oh, if you're doing it that way, that works. What the double-stuffed fudgio? Like, I can't. I need to go to the big board. Like, you know how Kenny Smith 
and sometimes others will, will sprint yeah. to the big board. It's not as far. For I, I, no, it's not far at no. all. I'm going to saunter over to that big board because nice. I need to see it again. And we need to go through this together, what we saw. World, world class? Yes. Watch where he starts from when this ball is played right here. That's Alfonso Davies. This dude is like, what, five yards away from the ball, and Alfonso Davies is what, 20 yards away? And somehow he wins that ball. How is that possible? The whole thing was 80 yards. It was an 80-yard dash. Like Correct. Like would be on a football field. Correct. You don't see soccer players do that. And then the finish. By the way, Jonathan David, please don't push him like that. <laughs> don't do it. Regardless... That is one of the most ridiculous... The, the thing that got me, and we've, we've coined this phrase here on Tim and Friends, it's called chuckles per 60. Mm -hmm. The thing that had me laughing was, again, watch... They call it in, in football, the other football, American football, closing speed. Watch how far he goes. When, he is now almost out of the screen. <laughs> this dude... Is like five yards away, and he loses the ball he fell to Alfonso. He didn't fall asleep. <laughs> he didn't fall asleep. He didn't realize he was facing one of the best players on planet Earth. And that's exactly what Canada has in Alfonso Davies. 37.1 kilometers an hour is the speed with which Alfonso Davies was registered at. Oh my Just to put God. that into perspective. <laughs> yes. Andre de Grasse, top speed. When he runs 100 meter, yeah. it's 42 kilometers an hour. <laughs> right. So, right. how is that possible? <laughs> it's it's. How it, is that possible? You know how it's possible? My guy is world. Yeah. Class. I mean that that's a goal like that makes me think this team belongs in the World Cup just based on the fact that they have a player of this magnitude. But people have had that player before. The beauty of this for Canada is you didn't have Kyle Lahren, who is of world-class quality. You didn't have Atiba Hutchison. You didn't have Milan Borian. Like, it's not... Davies is one of the best players on planet Earth, exclamation point, walk away, period, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. There's other guys on this team that are... Jonathan David is outscoring superstars in France, and he is yet to really even take that step with Canada. Like... What I'm seeing here is, okay, I'm with you on Alfonso Davies. But there's other high level. Like, no doubt. You are, you are without, like, if, if Canada was missing the player of Atiba Hutchison's quality any time in their history before, jam done. This time, they're doing this to the goalie. Watch when <laughs> Alfonso Davies scores the goal, what the keeper does. The keeper's reactions to me are amazing. Like, he, so this dude just sprinted 80 <laughs> yards, okay? The finish, and the keeper's just like, what the? <laughs> the keeper probably saw Alfonso coming in the corner of his eye, like coming on the horizon, going 80 yards away, and thought, there's no way. I'm not going to pay attention to him because there's no way he's actually going to get there. Like, I have friends that don't watch soccer. Yeah. They don't watch soccer. And last night, they were texting, they were calling about that goal. Like, that is the type... I said yesterday, it's a type of game where someone can become legendary 
And that's what we saw last night. That's a legendary goal. That is a legendary oh, goal. That and the poor goalies, they're going to play that for, for years and years and years. And the poor goalies got to look like that. Just the, no reaction. The only reaction that was worse than the keeper's reaction in this moment, which was, yeah. that's chuckles per 60. Like, he just literally, a professional goaltender, watched Alfonso Davies <laughs> do what he did and went, Nothing Meh. I can do. Yeah. The only reaction that was better than the keeper's reaction was that of the crew on Panamanian television. Have a look. Como un niño dice que le va a quitarla. Con Alfonso Davis tú no puedes hacer eso. ¿Cómo le van a quitar la bola a la raya así? Alfonso Davis corre mucho, tú no puedes hacer eso. Ay, ya no como un pedadito, Ricky. Él está jugando su once. Ese es pelado, no juega más, Fred. Él está jugando su once. aquí. Con Andrade, Cumi no juega más nunca. No juega más nunca. Mira eso, Ricky. Y que salí la pelota ahí. Te la robaron como un niño. Es Alfonso Davis. Te la robaron como un niño. Es Alfonso Davis, hermano. Tienes que correr. Alfonso Davis, you gotta run. No juegas más con Andrade, no juegas más. Gol de entrenamiento. Gol de entrenamiento acá meter Davis. Davis contra Escobar uno contra uno y a la que salga ahí está fácil de entrenamiento en el Bayern. There's so much there. Uh, my best part is guy in white. I think we have this isolated, and he just says, I got my hermano uh, translated for me, so I got it on my text right here. Nice. Shout out, Sebi. Thank diligence. you for doing that. Uh, and he just says, uh, he, I, I think we need to use this anytime Alfonso Davies scores. He just goes, it's Alfonso Davies. You got to run, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got it again. Alfonso Davies! como un niño! Alfonso Davies, hermano! And he adds a hermano in there, which is brother. Come on, brother! Uh, did we just meet the Panamanian Sid Sixero? Yes. I mean, is that... People, that's one of the reasons people loved Sid. They loved watching Sid. They loved watching his reactions. Was it Dangle or was it Sixero? I'm, I'm not quite sure. It was a little, it was a mix of both. Oh, it's so good. And then uh, we got a picture. Uh, Jason Hagholm sent this in mm -hmm. after we sent out the video of Panamanian television watching. And he just sent us a picture from uh, <laughs> later in, like this is the 78th minute. And all the caption says is, my man got sad for the rest of the game. Yeah, <laughs> like, he just not? sat there the rest of the game. So, I mean, listen, shout out to everyone on that Canadian team. Shout out to that crowd, as John Herbin did after the game. Yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable to see the kind of atmosphere in that building. And, you know, like, there's a lot of subtopics. There's a, like, I went to my kid's school today to drop off my two kids. And people were talking to me about Canadian soccer on a day where the Leafs and Habs play. Crazy. Like, I don't know if I, my dad, who is like hockey till he dies, um, said that he was flipping back and forth between Canada and Panama and the Leafs and Habs. And that to me is like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Well, I feel like you played um, a role in, in what has become a headline show now. They, they're a showcase and your level of confidence was high for this team going into last night's match, mm -hmm. uh, as evidenced 
by the speech that you gave Canadian soccer fans back on June 9th, and I think it's important that we take a listen to that. Right. Look around, kids. Times, they are a-changing. There are new legends, my friends. I'm telling you, we have the best team we have ever had. And if not now, very soon. I'm telling you, it's a matter of time. I know I'm asking for faith from the faithless. But I'm telling you, it will be rewarded. Be not afraid, my friends. Uncle Timmy's telling you, it is the dawn of a new era. Dawn of a new era. Is that new era upon us? Like, I, I don't want to... So there's... Plenty of games still to be played. Canada, for those who don't understand, top three teams get through. Canada's in third. There is an available fourth spot if they go through and face other federations or federation, singular. But Canada now controls its own destiny with two wins and four draws through their first six of 14 games. Like, but like, are we at the point, was that, the seminal moment like was that the moment where we've been waiting I don't know how long I've been saying golden generation of Canadian basketball like that phrase golden generation of Canadian basketball it's the gold and they've never had a moment the men's national team has never had a moment like I think that you saw last night well they did something that they junior teams have yeah they weren't necessarily expected to do what they did last night in any way shape or form they it was a big game and they needed to win but to win in the fashion with which, with which they did, tying Jamaica was a disappointment. Right. And then facing a Panamanian side that beat the Americans, this was a massive moment for this team. This right. is going to be the turning point probably for this program as a whole because we always talk about we need a moment so that kids can go back and watch this. Yeah. And they're going to get interested more in the sport now. And I bet you, honestly, I bet you it's, it's hard to quantify, but you look back – 10 years from now, 15 no, this, years from now, what, and you'll say, people will say, I wanted to play soccer because of what Alfonso Davies I, did. I don't know if that, like, I don't know if that's, it's, it's what ignites the fire. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this is. This is the fire starter. And my level of confidence is higher now. That was after they faced Suriname and they're about to go into the home and home with Haiti to qualify right. for this round. I said, like, this team has depth that you've never seen before. And that's why I had that level of confidence. Uh, the level of confidence has just grown. The draw in Jamaica made this a must-win. And for anyone who's followed this program for an extended period of time, every time they got into a spot where they needed to win like they did last night, it was not only a trip and fall, it was a trip, fall, flat on your face, maybe knock out a tooth. It had been bad. And it was the complete opposite last night. It was skill, it was class, and it was a build to a crescendo with an Alfonso Davies signature moment. It's yeah. It was just... Yeah, and happy that you were there, that we get to ask you about it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. like it was amazing. A couple of Tim and Friends crew were there. Yeah, uh, Sharman coming up a little bit later nice. in the show to talk more about it. Uh, obviously a, a phenomenal night for Canadian soccer, and we'll talk about that. Uh, back to hockey we go, though, where it was puck drop on the 21-22 season for five Canadian teams last night. The Maple Leafs with a tiny bit of retribution, albeit very tiny, beating the Habs... 2-1, while Connor McDavid and the Oilers gave up a two-goal lead in the third, eventually beating the Canucks in a shootout. And the Jets 
laid an egg in their season opener, losing 4-1 to the Ducks. Yeah, Anything stand out to you? <laughs> we, can't, we can't call the Jets uh, like favorites, the best team in Canada, favorites to go the furthest of any team in Canada. That's and on then, Elliot and Frank. That's not on us. <laughs> and then <laughs> 4-1. Uh, listen, they'll get Shifley back and they'll be better and we're not going to judge an entire season on one game. And that's what it felt like for a lot of the Canadian teams last night. It felt like Okay, the Canucks kind of dug themselves out of a hole. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers look pretty good. Zach Hyman getting a goal in his first game. Jonathan Drouin scoring the first goal in Canada this year was Amazing. a wonderful story. And you hope that he'll be able to continue that, that the Habs will be able to continue to score more goals mm-hmm. this year despite the fact that they've lost some key pieces. Um, that was amazing to see and almost fitting that the first goal in Canada this season came from Jonathan Drouin. But outside of that, Edmonton, show me in the playoffs. Leafs, show me in the playoffs. But I will say this, um, Jack Campbell may have let the Jonathan Drouin goal in, but I think a lot of Leaf fans are a little bit worried about what they have in net, and they feel a little bit better after game one. No doubt. I think uh, he came up pretty big in the first five minutes of that game. Leafs were a little bit flat, and he answered a lot of questions, albeit one game. But you're right. They're going to have confidence moving forward. Uh, We're going to talk a lot of hockey because still to come, we'll have more on Canada's big win over Panama. James Sharman is going to join us. We'll go live to San Francisco, check in with the Rash Badani ahead of game five of a five-game series between the Dodgers and the Giants. It's win or go home. Plus, much more on the Brady Kachuk signing. Kyle Bukaskis will join us from Ottawa. And after the break, Anthony Stewart, who predicted the Sens would make the playoffs this season before Kachuk signed. All that coming up on this edition of Tim and Friends. Bonzi. Dodgers have had traffic all game. That ball's driven into right field. Mookie Betts! Two-run blast! And we're going to do it again, folks. One game for a trip to the NLCS. A winner-go-home matchup. Canada's greatest. He's CONCACAF's greatest. He's already the king of the north. He's coming for CONCACAF's throne. He is Alfonso Davies. He wants this part, everyone. He really wants this. Like, he's dreaming of, of taking this country to a World Cup. Kicks the 1-1 pitch. Bautista drives it deep left field. Gone! That's one of the nastiest bat flips you'll ever see. Welcome back, Tim and friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff. Today's schedule will feature nine games in the NHL, three Canadian teams. The Canadians are in uh, Buffalo to face the dumpster fire that is known as the Sabres. Maple Leafs and Sens in Ottawa. Kyle Bukaskis coming up in mere moments with updates from Ottawa. But I bring in my good friend Anthony Stewart, who joins us now from the, uh, the Stewart family compound. And Stewie... Uh, this is an interesting Ottawa team adding Brady Kachuk just in time. What were your thoughts when you heard the news that they had uh, they got this done? Well, thanks again for having me on. We have to do our uh, typical oh. pen check here. I got the upgraded version, the, uh, the X version here. I'm not sure if Jesse has his. He's probably in the garbage after I gave it to him Matter last time. Fact. I was in the studio. No, Je- Jesse's got it. I've been using it every day since I got it, Stewie. Oh boy! Literally every hey. single day. Stewie. What color do you go? What's like? What's your go-to color? Okay. Is a good question. Get it with the red. 
Because so I'm doing red. a lot of Xing out. I coach hockey, right. so I'm doing a lot of Xs. So there's a lot of Xs around some of these names here. Yeah, the, like when you have to mark something up, the red's the way to go. <laughs> you got you to <laughs> switch all of I'm going to tell you right now, the camera's not on Tim, but he is panicking to try and find yeah, it. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other one's in the mail. Don't worry. Don't worry, Tim. It's in the no, mail here. I, this is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of embarrassing, Stewie. I'm gonna be honest. Are with we you. live right now? We're talking about pets here on live television. Probably threw it at me. If we're being honest, we're, he probably uh, threw it this, at me. This is uh, this is live television. All right. Uh, no, I I don't have the Scarborough iPhone right now, and I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed, and frankly, I'm better than that. No, you can't. You can't throw it. No, I cannot accept. Although I can't let it hit the ground. There either. you go. All right. He's got one now, Stewie. All right. I got one now. Jesse lent me, but I someone stole the blue and white one from me. And I think it was either Chris Johnson, who ran like the wind out of this place, right? Or Elliot Friedman. It was one of those two. <laughs> they came in studio, they recorded something, and my Scarborough iPhone was done after that. Yeah. Well, CJ's uh, not too far down the road, uh, out by Roti Hut. So if I catch him there at lunch one day, I'll be sure to ask him about that. <laughs> yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> On to the Senators, I guess we go. Yes. Uh, I think it's, it's it's a big, big deal that they had to get this done and, and show to the fans right now who are sort of in limbo right now in Ottawa that, hey, we're going to recognize this talent as a cornerstone and a big piece of our organization and get it done. And I saw the tweets this morning saying it's a disgrace that they haven't signed them. Uh, but the deal that they did, it takes time. It takes time, and it's a big, big deal. We didn't see any bonus structure or anything like that, but that's a big, big ticket for a player that is going to be a great player for this team right now. And we're taking a look at the cap hit right now, $8.2 million. He is worth Every single penny. Second, the National Hockey League in hits. Uh, you know, he was putting up points. He is a, a player that drags this Ottawa team uh, into the fight. And we saw last year, the first 15 games, they basically packed it in. But it was him that brought them back. And that last 13 games there, they're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And if they didn't have a player like this, a heart and soul player, uh, uh, they would have been out of it a long time ago. And I actually predicted this Ottawa team to make the playoffs this year because they have good pieces but at the, at the helm they have this big solid piece in Kachuk who's going to be one of the great power forwards in the in the game for lead, uh, for years to come. Alright let's hammer down on the prediction because uh, the Tim and Friends crew our digital crew uh, grabbed a hold of it uh, and they put it out on, on Twitter uh, did you catch Stu Monroe's bold prediction in the east and it has the Ottawa Senators taking the second wild card, and you you fired back at Uncle Timmy over here. And to be honest with you, Stewie, if they get goaltending, I agree. I just think the if they get goaltending is a big if. Yeah, and, and people forget that Matt Murray, before he got hurt, he had an atrocious start to the season. Yeah. They're 15 games. I don't even want to tell you what the record was. It wasn't great. But he came back, and the goaltending actually did pretty well, where they were one of the hottest teams in the league. So if he gets back to old form, if he's playing 9-20, 9-25 hockey, he's going to give them a chance to win. So they have two goaltenders that can step up and do the job, but they just have some of these young, young pieces that are going to be elite hockey players, starting with Shabbat who's in the running for Team Canada. They have Stutzla a year there. They have Batherson. They have Pinto. They have, uh, you know, Josh Norris as well, too. So these guys are going to be stars in the league. Connor Brown's playing some great hockey. You can count on him for 20 goals. So I would not be surprised. And that's why they won bold predictions. And actually, the 
producers at Sportsnet, they were wondering if I was sure about the Montreal pick, but I'm sure about both these teams making it because they got the fans back in the building now, uh, but they have these good young pieces. Montreal as well. Suzuki, who just signed his deal as well, he's coming in there. He's going to be a number one center. They have some great pieces as well, too. So I predicted six teams from Canada making the playoffs, but I'm not going to mention which team I had out of the playoffs because Twitter is a beast and they killed my they're still killing it right now. Hashtag Canucks like to shout out those guys. <laughs> yeah, those they, they they will not let sleeping dogs lie in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so last night, uh, Leafs and Habs. What was your main takeaway from that game? Like, what did what I, we were talking about Jack Campbell, and I think there was some worry about whether or not. Um, that goaltending was sustainable in Toronto. That's a good start for them. It's just, it's hard for me when you look at, especially the Oilers and, and the Leafs, and say, like, nothing matters unless you don't make the playoffs until the playoffs. Well, you got to get some wins in between now and then, right? And uh, I think we saw the story before with the Maple Leafs last night where they didn't start great. And that was a game they could have easily been down 2 nothing within the first five minutes. They came out flat. They didn't have any energy, but they did have Jack Campbell weathering the storm. And I think that's going to be the number one question this year. Can he play back-to-back games? I'm pretty sure Mrazic's playing tonight. But can he be the guy that step in and play you know, eight, nine out of a 14 game segment and really do what he does on a consistent basis. But this is a Maple Leaf team that can score in bunches. But what I like now, they like, I like their depth pieces. I saw a big block shot by Hall last night. Camp has some blocks. Kasha, uh, my boy Pierre Ingval stepping up and playing some great hockey too. So these new additions, these guys are coming in proving that they want to be Maple Leafs, but they're making a difference. But this team is going to go as far as goaltending, but as the big four. So you saw last night at the beginning of the third period there, Nylander stepping up, individual effort, putting them up. So that's what's going to be. The, the, the depth guys weathering the storm and their stars taking over the game when it's time to step up. It's funny like how quickly the narrative will change though. Like Leafs Twitter, Leafs Reddit uh, a couple years ago. Nylander sucks. He's no good. He can't be the guy. And it seems like the new whipping boy is Mitch Marner, and everyone loves Nylander. <laughs> well, I wasn't uh, – people weren't thinking I was a, wasn't a fan of his, but I'll actually show you here if we can get the camera back. I actually purchased his skate here uh, uh, last year in support of the Black Girls Hockey Club, too. You can see his signature there. So I'm a big fan of Nylander's game, too, but – that's that's Toronto hockey market in a, in a nutshell. The microscope always shifts. We saw what happened with Larry Murphy where they're trying to get guys out of town. But the one thing I can tell you, Mitch Marner is one of those guys that if he's gone, you're going to miss this guy. You can't just wake up and be a 60-assist guy. You can't just wake up and get 100-point guys. They don't grow on trees. So, yeah, does he have to be more consistent in the playoffs? But that's everybody. And there's only a select team. They only hand out one Stanley Cup. As Brian Burke says, it's tough. It's tough. It takes time to be successful in the playoffs. Give these kids a little bit of uh, a little bit of rope here. Uh, Canadians are in Buffalo to face the Sabres. Is there anyone in a worse spot right now than the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, <laughs> no, and I knew they were in trouble when they signed Craig Anderson, who when I was playing with him, he was old. So that was probably <laughs> 10 years ago. So no shout, no, uh, no, no, no shade at uh, Craig Anderson. But, you know, it's just one of those teams where it just seems like they're three years away from being three years away. And I think it just 
the, the stalemate with Jack Eichel, it's just really trickling down where it just doesn't seem like they have any future. The future is bleak right now. So they have to find a way to flip Eichel for others, some high picks or some players that, that can come in and do the job right now because you're looking at their depth, there's none. You're looking at their D, there's none. Goaltending depth is is nil. So they're in a lot, a lot of trouble here. But what's you know very frustrating about that situation, the Buffalo Sabres, their fan base is probably one of the best, most loyal fan bases in all of pro sports. Yeah. It's a hardworking town. They have a great arena. They have a great dressing room. They deserve a better product on the ice. But just like building anything else, it takes time. But I don't know how much time we got, uh, you know, talking about the Buffalo Sabres. Shout out Bruno Caboclo and the three years away from being three years away. Solid reference from our guy Stewie here. Uh, did you watch Canada soccer last night? I did not. I was at the hockey rink and I was watching the Leaf game, but I, I'm dressed in my soccer gear. I got my Adidas jacket on, my yeah. Umbro underwear, and my Kappa <laughs> shoes on ready to go. And I just did about 42 keep-ups just to get prepared for this. But uh, it's great now to be talking sports and, and it's great that Canada's now in the running for World Cup. I think they're third right now in CONCACAF and yeah. uh, qualifying is done in March. It would be great for anybody, for everybody, all, all of Canada to get behind, be behind them to make their World Cup bid. Uh, I once got a pair of Kappa de Kappa shorts in about grade eight and my mom was mad. You look like one of those short, um, you know those Umbro shorts, the short shorts the ones, short, yeah. a little nah, extra medium. Nah, oh, you look the, like an Umbro guy. The, uh, <laughs> the quads weren't quite big enough to uh, to wear those ones. I'll tell you that much. They were tries, yeah, they were tries. <laughs> Everybody, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. There is uh, Anthony Stewart joining us here on Tim and Friends with a couple. Of, you can always count on a couple of real deep cut references from Stewie that I absolutely. Love. Yeah, he's got like a like a Rolodex of of deep cuts that he goes to. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Kappa de Kappa Umbro underwear. I think yeah. it's very well. Coming up, James Sharman will talk to us about Umbro underwear and then break down last night's amazing performance by Alfonso Davies and the rest of Canada. We'll find out where his thoughts on this team are after six games into the qualifying process for Qatar 2022. Stick around, more Tim and Friends, next! Can you feel it, Canada? Get on your feet, Davies. Near post again, flicked on goal! Oh, Canada! Oh, baby! Davies is on it. Davies takes it away, 2v1! Alfonso Davies keeps it himself! Goal! An individual piece of brilliance! He's already the king of the north. He's coming for a cocky cast throne. Tejon's there. You can With a tip of the cap to my guy, Vic Router, make the final 4-1 Canada over Panama. James Sharman, Footy Pine Podcast, joins me now. Sharms, thanks for doing this one. And where, where does that rank in Canadian football history? Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't around for the 86 qualification. Um, I, I'm sure that was 
so special. Um, the Gold Cup in 2000 was was really special, and I don't think we should dismiss what those players accomplished. Um, but it was a huge shock, a big surprise. What we saw last night for me was it was the biggest moment, certainly since '86. Um, we had that 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 moment of Alfonso Davies's brilliance. Of course, does it really hang our hats on? But the whole occasion, Timmy, you know, the atmosphere at the stadium, yeah. the fact that they played such a great brand of football. There was also that 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 typical Canadian edginess as well they played the CONCACAF way when they had to against this Panamanian team it really had it all it was a complete performance and I think that is maybe the tipping point if mainstream Canada doesn't now get behind this team I'm not sure they ever will because that really covered all the bases I'm with you with the Gold Cup and that was an unbelievable performance and Craig Forrest our good friend was like unreal in in helping Canada grab that Gold Cup um I thought like in Newfoundland the qualification, 85-4-86. Um, there was some great players, but wasn't the same quality in skill that we saw. And all Canadian soccer fans, and I'm talking about the people that have kind of followed for a while, they all thought there was a possibility there could be a night like last night on home soil. And I think that's where, like, that's the sea change. That's the, is that you, you had all of the pieces and it was on home soil, which made it all the more special. Yeah, it's been the expectation for the last few months, hasn't it? That we've yeah. seen some of these players emerge on, on the world scene. Obviously, you mentioned Davis, but we've seen John David, uh, Carl Laren, of course, who wasn't playing last night. Atiba's been there for a while. We've seen this, this wave of talent come through the system. And we've been promised that, yeah, this team could be really quite good. And, and they put in some great performances. They tied Mexico away from home. They tied the States away from home. They beat the States two years ago, of course, at BMO Field. So we saw that this wave, but, you know, it hasn't all quite come together just yet. The draws were fantastic performances, but they weren't wins, right? And that's taken nothing away from those performances. This team needed a win. It was a huge match given where the standings were as well. A lot of pressure on this team. So they had to really get three points in this match and to do it to a team that beat the US just on the weekend show so how far this team's gone. So yeah, I think we needed this result and this performance. And now the the hype and the hope is going to get out of control. And that's just fine because there's some tough games coming up, real tough games. Canada's in third place right now looking pretty. But listen, it's a long road to Qatar next year. Yeah. Um, this isn't over just yet. So at the same time, given what we've been through in the last, what, 30 odd years, we should be allowed to just savor this, I think, and, and enjoy it and, and overreact just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, one of my notes in, in, my, uh, in my sheets of paper that are piled in front of me was, it's going to be a little bit different in Panama. Like it's going to, like Canada <laughs> has yet to go to El Salvador, Costa Rica, and Panama. Like those are really hard places to play. Like is there any way and Charmin, listen, I love you because you're a sports fan. Like I know that you watch a lot of hockey. I know that you watch all types of sports. Like is there any way to explain to uh, my dad sitting at home or the person who just watches hockey, what it's going to be like to go to Costa Rica, to go to Honduras, to go to El Salvador and Panama. I don't think it is because the game is just played so differently. Most sports, you have tough away trips, but you're still playing the sport, right? It's still, you know, between the lines, uh, you know, between the whistles, but you go to those regions of, of that, that part of, you know, North and Central America 
And it gets so volatile, so edgy. It gets nasty, it gets dangerous at times. You know, last week we saw them play Mexico at the Azteca. A, a great performance, a great result, but it wasn't a full Azteca stadium. It didn't quite live up to the expectations, I think, that perhaps some of us had hoped for, given what we've seen in the past. But you go to El Salvador, Honduras, Panama, it is going to be nasty. You know, the game will be secondary. They'll be up all night with, with car horns and fireworks outside the hotels. There'll be things thrown at players on the field. And just seeing how that game yesterday ended too with the uh, yeah. issues on the field, that animosity was growing from, from the first half. That was by design, I think, partly by Panama as well, because when they do go down there in a few months' time, prepare yourselves, because I want to see how this team reacts. That being said to me, every time I expect this team to take a step back, um, and, you know, and to decline, they don't do it. They no. step forward, get in the front foot. You know, they surprise me every single time. This, by the way, I, I, I don't condone the behavior, but I love Daniel Henry for it. That was CONCACAF through and through, refusing <laughs> to move for a corner. Why should I move? Get out my way. I, I loved it. It showed Canada can play that way. And perhaps it wasn't that advisable, you know, given the state of the game at the time. But the fact that Canada didn't back down, they weren't intimidated, and they were the instigators in that regard. I loved it. It was brilliant. I here's the here's I I love it too. And I here's there's two sides to this coin for me. One, I I love the fact that this team, like you and I, went through like who's Junior Hoylet gonna play for, right? <laughs> like we went through the who we, like insert player name here. What country the is Guzman. going to play? Yeah, which the Guzman. Guzman is going to play for? Which Canada? Like it was just one after another and you went and it seems like everybody not only wants to play for Canada right now which is a rarity is it's like a real brotherhood like they're standing up for each other in moments like that Alfonso Davies comes over for Daniil Henry and then Daniil Henry realizes <laughs> wait a second you can't get involved in this and he's yeah, literally exactly. like no no this is me I'll do this you got to get away from here because you're the hundred and whatever million dollar man like it <laughs> to, to me, that was it's such it's such a little thing, but when if, if you've ever been a part of a team, you understand it. That said, Charmin, the skill on this team overwhelms everybody but the United States and Mexico, in my very humble opinion. And you can't get drawn into that ish. And you know what, Tim? I had this conversation today. You know, it's, it's an easy thing to say. Yeah, well, USA and Mexico, one and two in the group, the two best teams. But wait a minute here. At what point do we say, well, maybe Canada should be in that conversation as well? Why not? You know, they, they tied both those teams so far. I would say this has been the best performance on the road. by any team. On the road, yeah, yeah, exactly, on the road. And I think last night was maybe the best performance by a CONCACAF team in this year's World Cup qualifying any team this goal yeah. we'll, we'll never forget that was the moment right that was the tipping point yeah. i think that's the time when <laughs> when it's mainstream canada i mean i was watching that to me and we watch a lot of sports like you mentioned there and have you ever seen a demonstration of such raw speed no raw raw pace no we it was didn't. absolutely incredible <laughs> there's no one in world football that can do that no. you know with the pace combined with the touch and then the composure Wow, I mean, that just brought the press box, the press box to me, a sterile, nasty environment full of <laughs> angry little men. Yes. Stood up. They stood up and yeah. they, they were almost cheering. Yeah. That, that's what it felt like. I, uh, I tried to start a Fonzie chant in my part of the section because it was just like I felt like it was an unbelievable moment. It didn't go over that well, but uh, <laughs> I tried my best. The, so is 
Yeah, maybe he is. Is, is Alfonso Davies the best player in CONCACAF? I said at the start of the show that Canada needed Alfonso Davies to be their best player, and I thought in the end he was the best player in CONCACAF. Yeah, he's, well, obviously in the conversation, um, he's the most dynamic. For me, he's the best player. I mean, who else is winning Champions Leagues with, with you know, the best team in, in world football? Yeah, Pulisic would probably be there, right? He's up there, but he's been injured a lot recently. Yeah. You know, his, his uh, stock's dropped a fair bit. Raul Jimenez is coming yeah. off an awful head injury. He, he's a fantastic player as well. Chucky Lozano. Listen, these are really good players. Yeah. Who A year ago, we wouldn't be even debating this, that those guys are the top of the heap. But at this point, who's worth the most money in CONCACAF, right? Who's worth the most money? What's, what's Fonzie worth right now? 80 million? Yeah. 90 million? No one else is in this region. Right. They're just not. And, and, you know, the region might not be as strong as it once was, but there's still some pretty good players in there. we got to just celebrate this kid and say, yeah, we've actually got a world-class player who, who would fit on any team in the world. I, uh, I initially loved the idea of Edmonton in November for Costa Rica and Mexico. Out of their elements, a homecoming for Fonzie, which is very cool. For those who don't know, he is from Edmonton. So, um, but now I'm like, and we only got about 30 seconds here, but... Um, now I'm like, maybe we can outskill Mexico and Costa Rica, and maybe you don't need the cold to make them feel uncomfortable, and maybe you do need to shave the pitch down and have as good a pitch as you possibly can because skill-wise, Canada can roll with anyone, and pace-wise, for sure. I, I love that. Yeah, they can. They can play with these guys. Now, like I said, it takes a couple of bad results and it all changes, right? Yeah. But those results haven't come just yet. And I understand why they've gone to Edmonton. It's a tough time, November, you know, really in, in, in this country. And it will be a, a great homecoming for Fonzie. And they will support this team. Yes. Edmonton's renowned for supporting yes. sports teams in their country, right? So I think it should be a great atmosphere there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't fear, as a Canadian fan, I don't fear the States or Mexico anymore. They, they might be better teams. They might still get the points when mm-hmm. push comes to shove. They might finish one and two. But I don't fear them. I tell you this much, John Herbman and those players don't fear these teams either. They're, they're ready and they've got the swagger and confidence to really march to, to Qatar. Uh, we're done here, but I do think we need to, to rebook you and talk about the job that Herbman's done. Because I think there are a lot of people that wondered what he'd be able to do with the men's team and, versus what he did yep. with the women's team. And he's done a phenomenal job. James, always great catching up with you, my dude. Thanks, mate. Anytime. Uh, there is James Sharman on Canada Soccer. Still to come, we'll go live to San Francisco and Ottawa. That's right, kids. Hockey and baseball next right here on Tim and Friends. Brady signed. Tim and Friends, time for Tim and Friends. Jim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. We are back here for another 30 minutes in Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. Hockey Central takes over 6.30 Eastern as they get you set for nine games in the NHL tonight, including the Penguins and Panthers in Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 1. Game 5 between the Dodgers and Giants also goes tonight. Winner take all coverage on Sportsnet begins with MLB Central 8.30 Eastern. We'll check in with Arash Madani in San Francisco in just a few minutes, but we begin this hour with hockey. Two Canadian teams in action tonight. Leafs beat the Habs last night in Toronto. They're both right back at it. Habs are in Buffalo to take on the Sabres with the Leafs. They visit the Sens in our nation's capitals. The Sens play their season opener. Big story, though. Brady Kachuk finally signing a long-term deal to stay in Ottawa. It's a seven-year deal worth an average annual value of $8.214 million. 
and runs through 2027-2028. Kachuk is expected to skate with the team tomorrow, DJ Smith said. Today it would likely take uh, Kachuk 7 to 10 days to get into game shape and sends, guess what, host Eric Carlson and the Sharks one week from tonight that would fall into that seven to seven seven to ten days as for tonight's game matt murray under the weather so anton forsberg gets the start for the sends in goal peter morazic will start for the leafs in the second half of back-to-backs kyle bukoskis joins us live from ottawa feels like home again kyle the uh, sends fans get set to return to canadian tire center for the first time and you can do the math in my head or just I've read it earlier 588 days they've got a little extra to smile about today yeah Tim you know what? I gotta tell you so I flew back from Toronto this morning our flight was initially diverted to Montreal because there was fog here in the area we sat in Montreal for about an hour and a half until things cleared up we were able to land here I hadn't even got in the cab yet and then the news broke that Brady Kachuk had signed for seven years and I felt maybe that kind of encapsulated the way things were going here you know the dark cloud of the Kachuk saga in Ottawa had finally lifted and now you see here as sense fans are waiting to make their way inside the Canadian Tire Center walking just a little bit taller the air is just a little bit lighter. Ditto for GM Pierre Dorian, who spoke to the media about an hour ago, and I'll let his emotions just tell you how he feels about the news today. Him and I on Tuesday night, I, he, he just said, get this done, Pierre. You know, from the, from the get-go, his support has been incredible for allowing us to do this and, you know, to committing to, I think, two players this summer for a fairly length of time just shows, I think, the commitment that he's ready to make as an owner and the money he's ready to spend. And I just, you know, it's, it's a great day for the organization. Sometimes what you guys don't know, what our owner did, says a lot. I don't want to go into details, but in the car Tuesday, he said, Pierre, get this done. <laughs> and, and that, he, you know, it's because he's the owner, but he cares a lot about this team. And getting his support to get this done and I don't want to go into details about this because that's not fair. It's a process. But you know what? I felt as powerful as I've ever felt after that call. Mm. So no question, Pierre Dorian even got a little emotional there, Tim, talking about the power that he felt with Eugene giving him the green light to get this deal done. And this negotiation, let's face it, it was a grind. Nobody thought it would necessarily take this long. And it really was a litmus test negotiation for the market. Were they truly committed to this rebuild and getting their young stars locked up long term? They were able to do that here with a seven-year deal with Kachuk. I mean, there's there's been a lot of dull nights here the past four years on game night at the CTC. Yeah. Tonight ain't going to be one of them. Yeah, it's funny. I think that those fans uh, would have loved to have seen this team emerge from the fog, as you mentioned, and, and, and start doing things like this. And this is a great first step for a young team that seems on a really good trajectory. So one follow-up here. When do you expect to see Brady Kachuk in Ottawa and then maybe in the lineup? Well, uh, my understanding is they're trying to get him here in the building tonight. It's a bit of a planes, trains, and automobiles, I was told, <laughs> coming from Ann Arbor Mission to try to get into, into Canada. Pierre did say he was in Canada when he spoke to us just over an hour ago, so it seems like all signs port towards he will make some sort of appearance here tonight. When it comes to the lineup, I mean, you mentioned what DJ Smith said. He's looking at seven days at least of practice. He was there in Toronto when the Nylander saga finally ended. They kind of rushed him back into the lineup, and you saw what happened there and how long it took him to get his feet under 
him. So maybe more patient approach here, and what more perfect time for him to make his season debut than against Eric Carlson and the Sharks a week from tonight? That would be absolutely crazy. Those aren't pillows. Thank you very much for joining us here, Kyle Bogoskis. <laughs> Thanks, Timmy. Uh, by the way, if you're going to start a fake fight behind Kyle Bukowskis, don't look right into the camera before <laughs> starting that fake fight and then whisper to the guy beside you on what you're going to do. Very incriminated. <laughs> yes. Uh, Habs look to bounce back from last night's loss to the Leafs as they visit the Sabres in their season over. Sam Montembeau will make his regular season debut in goal for the Canadians, but Dominic Ducharme says there will be no other changes to the lineup. Meanwhile, 40-year-old Craig Anderson will start for the Sabres tonight. Dodgers Giants, folks, here we go. Play ball. Costello, the runner at third. Posey he does have the green light. Hits that one hard into right field. And goodbye! A two-run blast! And the Giants are on the board first. Logan Webb pitching shutout ball for seven and two-thirds innings, striking out ten Dodgers. It has been a Giants night through and through. Turner, Smith, and Taylor aboard. And Bellinger hits one deep into left center field. Turner is in. Smith is in. It's a two-RBI double for Cody Bellinger. Fly ball left field hit pretty well. Back on it is Paul. And this ball is gone. Evan Longoria puts the Giants on top. And that is a liner caught by Crawford. Takes a hit away from Mookie Betts. You get to postseason, you, know, you can always lose by one pitch. And tonight I lost on one pitch. Dodgers have had traffic all game. That ball's driven into right field. Mookie Betts! Two-run blast! That ball's hit well, center field. Two-run home run! Will Smith! 7-2 Dodgers. And we're going to do it again, folks. One game for a trip to the NLCS. A winner-go-home matchup. That's right, kids. Game five between the Dodgers and Giants goes tonight in San Francisco. You can see it on Sportsnet starting with MLB Central, 8.30 Eastern Time, 5.30 Pacific. It's the first time in Major League history that two best teams in baseball will meet in a winner-take-all game in the division series. The Dodgers will start an opener. Corey Knavel with Julio Urias expected to follow. Logan Webb gets the start for El Gigante. Arash Medani is standing by live at Oracle Park in San Francisco. Arash joins us now. And Arash, uh, the Dodgers throwing a wee bit of a curveball today with the decision to start Corey Knavel. Uh, the reasoning, sir? Well, Dave Roberts just admitted to us. He said, look, it's different. He said it doesn't mean it's riskier, but it certainly opens us up to criticism. That's from the Dodgers manager. And the more you think about this, Timmy, you start to understand what went into the thinking of an organizational decision. Let's remember, this is not just the manager making this call. The spreadsheets and the binders uh, are involved in this one, too. What, what has San Francisco done in this series? They continue with their right-handed hitters to go with the platoon look, and Corey Knable's a right-handed pitcher. Julio Arias, of course, is a, is a lefty. And when we were leaving Dodger Stadium on Tuesday night, Gabe Kapler said, we're, we're going to stick with what's worked for us and gotten us to this point. This, this is exactly what Kapler said the other night. 
We'll do what we normally do, John. We're going to uh, try to put the best lineup out there um, that kind of counters some of Julio's strengths. He's got a lot of them. It's not an easy thing to do, but we'll do the best that we can. Um, and, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in – I've said this, you know, throughout the year, but the lineup that we threw out there against lefties, um, the lineup that we threw out there last time against Julio, I feel really good about so that said, Kapler told us he wasn't surprised that Roberts went with this move. Dave actually sent Gabe a courtesy text last night about the move. So <laughs> yeah. it's Knable now, Timmy, that, that gets the shot, and he's opened already this season. This is going to be the fifth time that he's an opener this year through two scoreless innings against San Francisco just last month. And as much as you wonder how the Giants may change the top end of their lineup now because they're going up against Knable, they're still not sure if Tommy LaStella can play tonight. He's been dealing with an Achilles injury, so it's not going to be until after BP, after he gets out there and runs around, that uh, that the Giants are going to make their move. So a bit of a chess match and also a little bit of uncertainty as to how this thing's going to unfold. Yeah, this ain't this ain't checkers, man. This is full-blown chess. I, I absolutely love it. So has anyone talked to Urias? They have. And let's remember the last time many people saw Julio Urias in, uh, in Canada is when he was closing out the World Series. He was literally the ninth inning guy last year in Game 6, and he has transitioned into a starter and what a year he's had as a starter for the Dodgers uh, has become the first 20 game winner in baseball. But the one thing about Urias is just he's unflappable. Uh, you know, the, the moment has never really been too big for him. And somebody asked him the other day, they said, hey, like, you know, what's the difference been for you going from reliever to starter and back and forth? It's somebody, who, you know, who's been in the organization since literally was 16 years old. And this was Urias's answer. Nothing for me mentally has changed. You know, my focus is still the same. I've always been, you know, trying to give it my 100% and doing everything I can to help the team win. No harm, no foul. Timmy, this guy's not bothered. Uh, you know, he says my routine changes a little bit, but uh, put him in any kind of situation, only 25 years old, doesn't really seem to bother him. All right, right. I smell what a rash is cooking, and I absolutely love what you're doing here because you're painting a little picture for us. So are we sure that it's Urias after Knable? Yeah, that's that's the question now, and that's <laughs> something that obviously the Dodgers are not going to tell us. No. But Gratterall could be an option. Joe Kelly, don't forget, has been terrific against San Francisco this year. In the regular season, gave up only one run in six and two-thirds. He got the win the other night when he came in relief, went two-thirds of an inning and gave up only one hit. He, he could be an option here. So everything's on the table. But Evan Longoria told us today, look, we, we know they're going to do whatever they do, but we know we're going to be facing Urias too. So this is the 24th time these two teams have met <laughs> against one another, and they say, you know, yeah. we know each other inside and out. So I just think this is Dave Roberts just trying to keep the Giants honest, honest yeah. with their platoon, with their right-handed hitters, and try and erase some of those guys right away so they won't be available late in the game. Okay, so this is uh, 2021 baseball at its absolute finest. There's no, right. there's no Madison Bumgarner out there. There's no Clayton Kershaw out there. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing. The Giants can turn to a stud because this kid, Logan Webb, is a stud. A stud. Yeah. And for the last four months, he has shown that. 
I mean, Timmy, he has not – the Giants have not lost a game that he's started since the first week of May. <laughs> That's how electric he's been. And this kid is not even 25 years old yet. And here he is, the youngest pitcher in Giants history to ever start a win-or-go-home game. Here we go. And he has continued to show what he is all about. And there is supreme confidence in him. Kevin Gossman admitted the other day, he said, look, Logan's been our best pitcher since the All-Star break. Of that, there is no doubt. And it's a pretty cool story because he grew up just 90 minutes from here. He and his dad would come to Giants games and Oakland Athletics games. Webb actually grew up more of an A's fan than a Giants fan, but uh, no harm, no foul. Fair. And he was also a high school quarterback. Um, and you say, well, why is that important? One thing Gabe Kapler told us, he said, that's actually significant because, one, he understands preparation. Two, he understands just how important confidence is. And three, when you're in a huddle and you're in command of everything, you realize how things have to slow down and quiet down, and that helps you out on the mound. So a high school quarterback from just down the road gets the ball in a game that uh, Vin Scully that Vin Scully is calling the biggest ever between the Giants and the Dodgers, a rivalry that spans more than 2,500 games. And when uh, somebody asked Dave Roberts that today, Timmy, he said, well, now the pressure's really on. When Vin <laughs> Scully's telling you that, that's when, you're, that's when you're really feeling the heat. All right, before I let you go, yesterday I said the fact that they're meeting in a DS is horse bleep. Uh, I thought that the 88-win Atlanta Braves, by the way, three wins less than the Toronto Blue Jays, who didn't even make the postseason, sitting and waiting as these two burn through pitchers. They go toe-to-toe, 106 wins versus 107 wins. I mean, I sat here and I said, I think it's horse bleep. But I haven't heard a lot of that from anyone else. Like, everyone else just is okay, it seemed like, from the national media in the States that this is just the way it falls, and if you don't win your division, then you don't win your division? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so rare for something like this to happen. Yeah. You know, it's so rare to see one team win 100, let alone two win 100-plus and be in the same division. And, you know, there's, there was all that talk about expanded playoffs, and when you have two wild cards, um, this is how it goes. But, you know, what's the – I don't know what the alternative is and what the alternative can be. Right. If you win your division – Especially if you it's unbalanced, right? Right. And yeah. that's – you know, and then what's your – What's your interleague schedule and how does that compare and strength of Scott? It because this is really the first time it hasn't it hasn't drawn a lot of white flags. Now if this turns into a pattern, uh, maybe a different story. <laughs> yeah, maybe a different story. I don't think baseball is going away from this rivalry that we're about to see tonight or the Yankees and Red Sox. I think you are going to see unbalanced schedules for a long time in Major League Baseball, though I will contend that that also leads to the regionalization of baseball and the lack of a real national feel. Arash Madani, I love the, the, the picture that you painted, my friend. This is very fun, and I can't wait to see how it plays out tonight on Sportsnet. All right, Uncle Timmy. Oh, one last thing. Yes, Dave sir. Roberts compared Dodgers-Giants. He called this the West Coast version of Red Sox-Yankees. Uh, Dave knows something about that rivalry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be on tonight. This place is going to be rocking. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, NLDS. Dodgers Giants game five winner go home Arash enjoy the game man thanks Timmy all right time for one last break we have last call coming up we'll get you set for the entire slate Leafs Sens Habs Sabres Giants Dodgers and it's all right here sports now 
Time now for Last Call. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, and uh, Jesse, we've got some breaking news to begin this edition of Last Call after what was a uh, questionable hit laid by Gabriel Aniscog last night. Yes, the captain of the Colorado Avalanche suspended for two games for boarding on Chicago's Kirby Dock. This is the fourth time that Gabriel Landeskog has been suspended in his career. Uh, so I don't know how much of a role that played in the suspension. Oh, it played. Yeah, it played. It but yeah, he, that boarding hit last night and then he gets two games. He's going to be sitting out because of it against Kirby Dock. So two of the three previous suspensions were for cross checks. He got four and three, but he has he has a little bit of an edge to his game. And I think that was a bit of a dirty hit last night. Yeah. He knew Doc was in a prone position. It wasn't as if uh, Doc fell just before on a bang-bang play. Like, he knew exactly what he was doing, yeah. and that's why the crowd came around. And I, I like when the NHL steps in and says, we know what you meant to do. Yeah. We don't care. We know what you meant to do. I feel like the, the guys who play with that sort of edge and physicality, there's not as many of them these days, and it's harder to straddle the line. Yeah, it was a, it was a dirty hit. But I think for guys like Landis Dog, and we've seen with Kadri in the past, those sorts of players, it becomes difficult to straddle the line because the game has changed. The way they officiate the game has changed. Right. So something that may not have been a suspension in years past now is a, a two-game suspension for Landis Dog. Not saying that it wasn't dirty, but... No, it, it's, yeah, it's dirty. It has and, changed. And for years, for years, I've had a problem with the NHL stepping back and saying, well, we, we you know, that's, that's not against the rules. Mm -hmm. If you know it's dirty, it's dirty. Get in the way and stop guys from doing dirty things. Yeah. Physical play, good with. Love it. Enjoy it. Dirty, you can really hurt people. And it's a big name, too. I think that's important yeah. to point out as well. Yep. Okay, uh, let's begin last call, though. We had, had a goal and assist in the game. Yeah, really good player. Yeah. Uh, let's celebrate an anniversary. We are celebrating this every year on the show because it's now the six-year anniversary of the Jose Bautista bat flip. Nice. And all the moments, the swing, the flip, the fans, the celebrations will forever be etched in our memory. Here's Bautista, game tied at three, seventh inning, runners at the corners, two outs. threw it out on social media, asking the friends of the show um, what they remember from that moment, obviously. But I will begin with you, Timmy. What do you remember most about that moment? What I'll always take with me is just the explosion. Like, it was immediate. It was understood that when he hit that ball, it was gone. And I don't know, like, I don't think the reaction from the crowd was as big for Joe Carter's home run 
as it was for this one because you knew immediately off the bat and there was the angst. But when I, when I watch the replays, I find something that I had forgotten about. Like, I forgot about Mini Batista. All the time. Yeah, and then I just saw Mini Batista and it brought a smile to my face. So, like, for me, always, it'll just be explosion. And I don't know, like, another sport where you get that immediate explosion where everyone in the room knows exactly what just happened. Yeah. There's so much angst and then so much relief of that angst with one swing of the bat. I watched the entire happening today. And nice. the one thing that stood out to me was Sam Dyson. Like, what, what was this guy doing? He thought Edwin, first of all, he misinterpreted what Edwin was doing, trying to calm down the crowd. Yeah. That caused everybody to come out. Yeah. And then at the end of the inning, he went and slapped Tulo as if they're like best friends. Yeah. After a half inning like that, it was crazy yeah. to me. Uh, okay, I want to get to a couple That's of the answers. why called him a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I want to get to a couple of the answers <laughs> quickly about what people remember from that Jose Batista moment. Uh, Le Champion says, I remember streaming the game in college and it was slightly behind, got the notification that Jose hit a home run a good 25 seconds before it happened oh, on screen. No. Almost had a heart attack trying to hold in my excitement as to not spoil it for the other oh, people good on you. in the good room. Good on you. That's yeah. a, that is a veteran move. To very, not, very, very impressive. To not ruin it. Uh, Shane says, I remember my two-year-old daughter saying, Mommy, why is Daddy running around the house yelling and clapping his hands? I told her because Joey Bats just hit a bomb. And Mark says, I remember that moment like it happened yesterday because my dad got up to use the John. Every time he gets up, even to this very day, something great always happens when he leaves to the can and misses out, which I thought was... Uh, dad, go to the washroom. A very no, I don't have to go. No, go to the washroom. Like, have you ever... Like, I know you, you just touched on it, but have you ever experienced a moment like that where everybody knew that something was coming. Like, it was building to a crescendo. Buddy, last night. Right. Last night in Canada and Panama, you could, it wasn't quite at that level, and I understand it, but if you're a soccer fan, you know what I'm talking about. Like, the people have been waiting for Canada to take that next step, and you could feel it wave after wave after wave, and they couldn't break through. And then when Fonzie made that run, there was an explosion in that building that was very, very cool that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm not saying it was bigger than Batista. Don't get me out oh, soccer, blah, blah, blah. There was an explosion in that stadium last night that was very cool to be a part of. Okay, so the Columbus Blue Jackets are um, playing tonight. And this is just kind of breaking now. The Blue Jackets are walking in. They're coming in with different outfits. So Elvis Merzlikens has entered the building. He says... Uh, Matisse Kivlinex, who obviously tragically passed away uh, months ago, uh, once had the Joker on his Columbus Blue Jackets helmet, would be jealous of the suit that he's wearing tonight. Oh, nice. So a very nice tribute the, there. Yeah. And now we don't know if this is related as well, but Patrick Laine, this is what he rolled into the <laughs> arena in tonight. And we asked, what does Patrick Laine do for a living? Wrong answers only. And we got a lot of good responses that I want to try and rifle through here quickly. Uh, Andrew says, the Joker's Henchman. Well, that would be an honoring, wouldn't it? Uh, Justin, the 1980s limo driver for a European skiing instructor named Pietro Muller. That's a good answer. <laughs> Morgan, Solid answer. Morgan sits front row at Laker games. Yep. Uh, Stefan, evil mastermind out to get the new Bond, Frege. <laughs> Jake says, makes YouTube videos about how to properly invest in <laughs> cryptocurrency. Oh, man. Very good answers. That's all I got. Uh, very good all around for uh, everyone weighing in on that. And uh, another busy night in the NHL. Nine games, two of them involving Canadian teams, of course. 
the Leafs in Ottawa to tackle the Sens. I'm not sure if Brady Kachuk got on the the planes, trains, and automobiles to get there. But taking it in maybe, but not playing for Yeah, well that's yeah, they're not gonna he's not gonna play. Just I mean, will he be there? He's going to get a standing ovation. Uh, That does it for us. Hockey Central is up next ahead of the Penguins and Panthers in Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 1. Game 5, Dodgers-Giants coming up 8.30 Eastern.